Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office, at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianmedia.com Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. Coming up soon, next month actually, there are three opportunities you have across the country for something you might be interested in, especially if you're listening to this program because you're obviously interested in the eastern lung of the church, this wonderful opportunity is called the Encounter of the Eastern Catholic Churches. The Eastern Catholic Churches Encounter 2012. It's being held in three places across the country. It's an exciting blend of speakers, religious services, and the various Eastern Catholic traditions, vendor displays, and hospitality time. The theme is Together in Christ. It'll be a unique gathering of all Eastern Catholic churches of the United States and Canada represented by hierarchy, clergy, religious, and laity together in Christ. Hence the theme, Together in Christ. Now, the one purpose, Together in the Vineyard of Christ, the purpose is to explore the call to discipleship received at baptism. And the spiritual discipleship calls clergy and laity together into the Vineyard of Christ with unity of mission, diversity in ministry. And also one voice, encountering Christ together in prayer, encountering Christ together in prayer through the sacred uniqueness of the various faith traditions. Now, this conference is being held in three different locations at three different times. One of these opportunities in the Midwestern region of the United States is in Cleveland, Ohio, from September 20th to the 23rd, that's Thursday through Sunday, and that's in Independence, Ohio, which is actually a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio. In the eastern part of the United States, at St. Mary's Byzantine Catholic Center, that's in Hillsboro, New Jersey. And again, October 11th to the 14th, that's again a Thursday through Sunday. And the western part of the United States is at the Hacienda Hotel at LAX Airport. And that date is November 1st to the 4th, again Thursday through Sunday. So, Midwest, the East, and the West. Three opportunities across the country. And to find out more about it and to register, you can go to their website, which is Encounter2012, EasternCatholicChurches.org. Encounter2012, EasternCatholicChurches.org. Good opportunity to mix with a lot of the Eastern Catholic Churches. You know, we talk about the various Eastern Catholic Churches in our program here. I'm, in particular, of course, I I belong to the Byzantine Rite of the Ruthenian jurisdiction, but there are other Eastern jurisdictions and other Eastern rites. So it's a great time to mix with them and to learn some things about them. There's going to be a lot of lay presence there. The kind of a theme is sort of geared towards laity and their involvement, but also the mandate, the mission that we all have by virtue of baptism and how we live that out in the respective Eastern traditions. And once again, 
It's in three different locations. And to find out more about the dates and registration, just go to encounter2012easterncatholicchurches.org. As an Eastern Catholic, one of the hardest questions for me to answer is this, and I get it all the time, as you can imagine. People will say to me, especially Catholic people, in particular Roman Catholic people, or Latin Rite, to really be specific, <laughs> Latin Rite. If you call yourself Roman Catholic, really, the technical, the correct term, to be really precise, would be Latin Rite Catholic, just as I am a Byzantine Rite Catholic, and there's Chaldean Rite and Syrian Rite, and there's different rites of, within the Catholic Church. So, Let's say you call yourself a Latin Rite Catholic. Oftentimes, a Latin Rite Catholic will ask me, well, what is the difference between a Byzantine Catholic and a Latin Rite Catholic? That's a very difficult question for me, actually, because it's like I kind of take a deep breath and, well, okay, where do I begin? It's like um, you've just asked me to put an ocean into a thimble. Now, I understand your question. And it is actually a very, very involved one. And I try to answer simply. And so I'm going to try to do that a little bit here on our program today, Light of These, to answer some of these questions that I get very, very often, and maybe are questions in your mind. I'm going to try to make it simple. They are simple questions and direct questions, but they actually have very deep and broad answers, actually. That's why they're difficult to answer sometimes. But to try and answer it, I'll try to answer that first question this way. What is the difference between an Eastern Catholic or a Byzantine Catholic and a Latin Rite Catholic? Well, think of it this way. In the human race, men and women are both human. They both share and experience that one same human experience. But they do so through two complementary ways. In other words, a female experiences being human and expresses that, that aspect of being human, through her femininity, the fact that she's female. A man is human also, and he expresses and lives out his humanness through his complementary gender from the woman, and that is his masculinity. Yet they're both still human. A church is basically the same way. It's one church, but lived out in two basically complementary ways. There are many ways within those two basic ways, but basically that's the, as you can see, I'm trying to make it simple here. As I said before, I'm trying to put an ocean into a thimble. And to put that ocean into a thimble, I, I would basically say, understand it as this. Two complementary ways of experiencing the one same faith. And in many ways, we're very different, just as man and woman are very, very different. Sometimes look at each other and they say to themselves, I just don't understand women. I just don't understand men. They seem so different. Yet at the same time, we are so much the same. Same thing in the church. Now, to be specific, sometimes people ask me, well, what about the liturgy? How is your mass different than ours? Is it the same as ours? Again, my answer, trying to make it simple, would be this. The liturgy, the worship in the churches, east and west, think of it again in terms of a body. The skeleton is basically the same, but it's the meat of the bones that's different. For instance, in the Byzantine liturgy and eastern liturgies, just like in the Latin liturgies, the liturgies of the western lung of the church, you do have basic aspects of the Mass, if we're talking about the Mass or the liturgy, the Eucharist, you have basically a beginning, you know, kind of an introductory part. You have litanies. You have a, a call for, for remembrance of sins. You have readings. You have a homily. You have basically liturgy of the Word and the liturgy of the Eucharist. You have the Eucharistic prayer, which in the Eastern Church we call the anaphora. But it's how those things are done that are different. But remember, the skeleton is still the same. It's still basically worship as the church has known it for centuries, where people gather, they sing praises, they ask for forgiveness, 
They have litanies. You know, they present their petitions before the Lord. They hear the Word of God. They hear commentary on the Word of God. They have the liturgy of the Eucharist then, the consecration and the reception of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And it could be in different forms. In the West, customarily, they use the unleavened bread. In many Eastern churches, such as mine, they use a leavened bread. So again, different ways of arriving at the same thing. So the liturgy in the Eastern churches, if you want to get into some specifics of how it's different, is it tends to be what you might call solemn, or you might some people call it traditional. But I guess those are okay terms, but it is what it is. It's been that way for centuries, so it's not necessarily traditional per se or necessarily solemn. It's very, very much an expression of two things. A transcendent God, which of course makes the liturgy very, very solemn, very hieratic, very transcendent, very mystical. At the same time, a God who has come to earth and manifested himself, incarnated himself. So it's actually very incarnational, which is why in the Eastern churches we use our five senses. We engage ourselves in the liturgy so much. It's certainly that's the, it is that way in the West. But in the East, again, there's a particular emphasis of that. It, it, a lot of the differences have to do with emphasis. That's another one of my brief, short answers that I try to help people with when they ask me that big, big question. Remember, it's a very big question. It's a tough one for me to answer, actually, because again, it's like putting an ocean to a thimble. What is the difference between a Byzantine church or an Eastern Rite church and the Latin Rite church? So worship is basically the same underneath the skeletal structure, but it's the meat and the bones. It's how it's expressed. See, that's what makes the different rites of the church. It's how they're expressed, how they're lived out. And a big part of it has to do with emphasis. In the East and the West, they might emphasize different things, just like male and female. Women see things from a certain perspective. They're going to emphasize certain aspects of something. A man is going to see things from another perspective. A man and woman can watch the same movie. What's going to move the woman in that movie? What are the things that she's going to respond to? Some of those things the man might not even see or pay attention to in the movie. He's going to respond to something else, something else that maybe the woman won't see or maybe she doesn't even care to see. It's a summer kind of thing in liturgy. It's a matter of emphasis. The West will emphasize one aspect. The East will emphasize a different aspect. And as a result, the expression of those emphasis will come out in what we know as the different liturgy. So think of it not as a different belief, but rather different emphasis, different expression of that emphasis. Okay, so let's review just before we stop for a break here. Basically, the difference between the Eastern churches and the Latin Rite Church or the Western churches is a matter of expression and emphasis. It's the same basic belief, but it's how it's lived out. And when it comes to the liturgy or the Mass, the Eucharist, same skeletal structure, same basic structure, but the meat and the bones is what makes it different. And when you put the two together, you have the fullness of the church. The church is not just Roman or Latin rite, nor is it just Eastern rites. It is both and. And that's what makes the genius, the beauty of the Catholic Church. It's this complementarity, just like the human race. How beautiful is creation that there can be one species that manifests itself on this earth in two complementary ways, male and female, and all the good that comes from that. We're going to talk more about the good of the complementarity in the church when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East's mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. 
That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, an Eastern Catholic priest and host of Light of the East Radio. As an Eastern Catholic, my spiritual and family heritage comes from Central Europe, a land that is all too familiar with religious persecution and assaults upon religious liberty. Precisely because of my spiritual and family background as an Eastern Catholic, it is with a certain credibility and urgency that I want to warn Americans of the danger of the recent Health and Human Services mandate forcing religious institutions to do something against their consciences. Far from being just a simple piece of a government-inspired healthcare plan, the Health and Human Services mandate springs from the same philosophies and worldviews that eventually led to the all-out persecution and assault on religious liberty in the areas of the world such as Eastern and Central Europe, Russia, and the Middle East. I am asking all of you to contact your government representatives and to support the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops in getting our government to rescind this unprecedented encroachment on religious liberty. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Mysticism, it keeps men sane. So said G.K. Chesterton, the famous thinker and writer of the 20th century. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya with an Eastern Christian moment. Christian mysticism actually means that which is most real. The mystical reveals and conceals all at the same time. It is life lived in the tension of paradox. God is three distinct persons, yet one God. He is the righteous judge and the lover of mankind. We come to know God precisely by that which we do not know about him. Mysticism forms part of the particular genius of the Eastern Catholic churches. Our church art and architecture are designed to reveal heaven and to conceal heaven, to give us an experience of heaven meeting earth. God is both transcendent and imminent all at the same time. He is uncontainable and infinite, yet was contained within the womb of a virgin. The elaborate and solemn liturgical services of the Eastern Catholic churches provide for the worshiper a sublime experience of what keeps us all sane mysticism. To find out more about the Eastern Long of the Church, go to easternchristianmedia.com. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Sloya here, your host, and I am trying to put an ocean into a thimble. I'm trying to answer a question that is so often asked of me, especially by people who are Latin Rite Catholics or or more familiar with the Latin Rite of the Catholic Church. Most people identify Catholic with Roman or, or Latin Rite, and somewhat understandable because that is by far the largest of the rites, certainly in the Western world. It's very much the predominant rite and expression, and not that much is heard of the Eastern churches, and we are much, much smaller and more spread out, in the, especially in the Western world, but no less significant. You see... Whether small or large, all of the rights of the church, and it's another great genius of the church, all the rights of the church hold equal dignity. They are equally as important. Even though one might be more numerous or larger than the other, they both are very, very important. For instance, ask your ladies. Let's say you're five foot five, and you're wearing a dress, a full-length dress, but you're wearing a necklace, and I'm sure that you went to a lot of work to decide what you're going to wear on that necklace. In other words, let's say you had a beautiful diamond, some kind of a piece of jewelry like that was very, very valuable, very meaningful to you. How big is that piece of jewelry? It's very tiny, isn't it? But you know it's a focal point in your mind and in your expression of dress for that evening or occasion, and it's also going to be a focal point to other people, especially other women. I'm sure they will notice that you're wearing a very, very nice 
little piece of jewelry around your neck, but it's very small. So it's no less important, though it's much smaller than your whole body or your full-length dress, it is no less important because it is so small. It can be very important precisely because it is small. So think of the church in that same way. Now, another aspect of these differences, another thing that I'm asked, in fact, this happened to me recently, I get asked kind of a, a barrage of questions, kind of the, in one, one or after the other, in terms of the differences. Someone asked me the other day, they said, well, now, do you have the Divine Mercy devotion? And do you have the Rosary? And do you have Stations of the Cross? Do you have confirmation of children when they're 12 or 14 or whatever? So I get asked these questions, and the person was asking them of me, and this often happens too, they were kind of asking in such a way where, well, if you're Catholic, you say you're Catholic, you, you would have these devotions. You would have these customs and traditions and expressions. I didn't directly say no, because the answer really isn't no, to be truthful, to be, to be accurate. I just said, no, we don't per se have those things. But here's the catch, and here's where I think the beauty of the church is, both East and West. And that's part of the message of this program, is to present the beauty of the church, the complementarity both East and West, with, of course, the stronger emphasis on East, because it's about the light of the East, the Eastern churches. But the real beauty is this. In the church, precisely because there's this complementarity, you can arrive at many of the same things, many of the same kind of spiritual realities by means of different expressions. I'll give you an example. This is one of my favorites. In recent times especially, the devotion of divine mercy, which I was asked about and I'm often asked about, has become very, very significant, especially in the West, as well as it should. Now, the divine mercy event, the, obs the observance of that, occurs on the same Sunday that in the Byzantine calendar we celebrate St. Thomas, the Apostle Thomas. They call it Thomas Sunday. Now, one of the reasons why I find this to be one of my favorite examples is because if you take the meaning of the divine mercy, that whole celebration, the whole spirituality, that whole message, and you take the way that we express liturgically the Thomas Sunday, you actually arrive at the exact same thing. It's an overwhelming expression of Jesus's mercy, of, of the compassion of Jesus Christ. For us, in the Eastern Church, we speak so much liturgically about Jesus' compassion to Thomas and how he used Thomas' doubt, which would, of course would be a negative quality, but he used that doubt, didn't chastise him, but used that doubt to allow Thomas to say the most important thing in all the scriptures. It was so incredible was Christ's mercy. And so, too, there is a divine mercy, which is a theme of that Sunday after Easter in the Western Church now in modern times, especially after Pope John Paul II. But the other aspect of, about this that I find interesting from a personal standpoint, because I have a great interest in art and iconography, is the imagery for both of these respective feasts, which arrive on the same Sunday in the church east and west. In the Divine Mercy icon, we see Christ with his arm upraised, motioning, pointing to this, his heart, to his, his side. And emanating from that, of course, are the, the rays of, of light, as though coming from his heart. Well, in the east, the icon for Thomas, for Thomas Sunday, shows Christ once again raising his right arm and gesturing to his side near his heart with his left hand. And emanating from there actually is the image of the wounds of Christ that he's telling Thomas to put his hands into. And as an artist, I can't help being struck by the similarity even of the iconography, how in East and West, perhaps I I suppose by God's design, by God's providence, he wanted the whole church, east and west, in their own respective ways, to celebrate, to acknowledge his 
divine, infinite mercy on the Sunday after the resurrection. To me, it's very clear because he's given the West this vision through Sister Faustina and what has now become a tremendous devotion in the West. And he's always had it. We've always had it in the East for, for a long, long time on this Sunday of St. Thomas. So that's an example of how if I say we don't have a particular thing in our church, it doesn't mean the East is going without that particular message. Sometimes it's a matter of we don't have that particular custom at all, but most of the time it has to do with we do have the basic message, but in a different form. Another example would be the rosary. People ask me, do you have the rosary? Is that a custom of the Byzantine church? The rosary is a popular personal devotion in the Byzantine church, but it per se is not germane to the Byzantine liturgical life. In other words, it's not technically one of those devotions or prayers, services that we have in our official prayer books of the Eastern Church. In other words, the the book of prayers, all the prayers that we say officially in our church, the rosary is not in them officially as a prayer. It doesn't mean that it's not popular personally. And also, once again, here we get an example of arriving at the same place, but coming at it from different ways. In the Eastern Church, we have what we call, or sometimes referred to as our Eastern Rosary, which is actually, and it is, there's a certain element of repetition to it, just like in the rosary. It's actually called the Akathist hymn. It's a hymn to the mother of God, a very poetic hymn, which makes all kinds of references to the Virgin Mary that we see in the Old Testament, all the Old Testament types, like the burning bush and the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant. All these are very poetically woven into a praise of the Virgin Mary. And after each stanza that refers to these scriptural references, we sing the words, Hail, O Bride and Maiden Ever Pure. We kind of call that our, of sorts, our Byzantine rosary. So what are we doing? We're praying a prayer, just like the rosary, in which we meditate upon the mystery of the Virgin Mary as she is connected with Jesus Christ. This is just what the rosary does, too. It connects us with the mystery of Jesus Christ through praying through a prayer to the Virgin Mary. That's really what the rosary is. The rosary is about a meditation on the mysteries of the life of Christ. Yes, there are events in the life of Mary, but the Virgin Mary, everything, anything you say about the Virgin Mary in the church, you're saying about Jesus Christ. In other words, you cannot really separate them out. And so this happens in the rosary, but it also happens in the liturgical services of the Eastern Church. So once again, we arrive at the same place. We arrive at a place of this great devotion to the Mother of God, as she is the God-bearer, as she reveals Christ. In other words, we ultimately arrive at Christ through her, whether it's through the, the poetry and repetition of the rosary or the poetry and repetition of the service, such as the Akathist service in the Eastern churches, in particular the Byzantine Catholic Church. Now, there's one more question we'll work with today, and that's one of the most commonly asked questions, and that is, why do you Byzantines do the sign of the cross backwards? <laughs> in other words, what we do is we start from our forehead, go to our heart, our chest, and then to our right shoulder, our right shoulder, and then back over to our left shoulder. Not only is that different than what Latin right people are accustomed to, since they go to the left shoulder first, but also we hold our hands differently. We hold our hands in such a fashion so as to put the first three fingers together, in other words, the thumb and the first two fingers, we put them together, and then we tuck the last two fingers, you know, the ring finger and, and the pinky finger, we kind of tuck them back into the palm. The three fingers symbolize the Trinity, and the two fingers symbolize the two natures of Christ, that he is God and man. We go to the right, well, 
actually, so did our Latin rite brothers and sisters as well. We all went to the rite long time ago at the beginning. Over time, the Latin rite then began to go to the left. And there are different theories on that, but nobody knows really exactly why this change occurred. One of those theories has to do with the way that the priest turned from the altar and then the people followed his hand as he gave the blessing. But when the priest blesses people, he blesses it backwards to himself. And some scholars think that the people just started following his hand from his side. And so they end up going to the left. Again, it's a theory. We don't really know why. But the main thing is, as always, east and west arrive at the same place. They may do it differently, but that's the beauty of the church, the complementarity of the church. And that's what our program is about here. And I want to thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's Reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road. Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>